0: hello friends time to find your balls i'm jeff stuckey i'm riding shotgun with a drink in my hand
1: and as always greg's behind the wheel so we don't run this thing in the fucking ditch how are you greg (laughs) i'm good i think today we'll be able to keep it on the road (laughs) i take (laughs) that as a personal challenge to see (laughs) how quickly i can derail
0: this thing all right i got you go ahead (laughs) So what we want to discuss today is a couple of things that are really related to just the soul, if you will, of man-made. One of those things is, as we've discussed, that men are in crisis, according to the American Psychological Association. And two of those crises that we really want to emphasize are, one, that men struggle identifying vulnerable emotion, right? So mm-hmm. we can do anger and we can do happy, but anything else, we have a really difficult time uh, expressing those things and even experiencing them.
1: Yeah, it's not you mentioned before. It's not just being able to express it, but we may not even have that feeling. We don't even know that that's a feeling that we're having.
0: Yeah, and that directly goes into why we are so good at two things that we don't want to be particularly good at, which are addiction and suicide. Uh, we are way too good. At both of those things. And it goes into, as we've talked about before, that kind of lack of socialization, you know, big boys don't cry sort of thing and suck it up. Then when we start to feel those, we get so uncomfortable by the unfamiliarity of them. And then it'll also kind of cause us to question our identity. I shouldn't be feeling this. Why am I feeling this? And so that's where we will then start to engage in compulsive behaviors, alcohol, porn, men like porn. We love that shit because it numbs us out, those kinds of things. And then the other piece, as a result of that, we don't have adequate friendship with other men. Mm-hmm. We don't and the way that the American Psychological Association articulates it which I find pretty significant is men lack adequate emotional and physical support from other men. Right. So those are two things that are really really at the core of man made and what we want to particularly discuss today is how do we as men connect with other men? And then the the fourth crisis, again, which is also relevant, is that we feel caught between work-life balance. So, you know, we feel guilty when we're at work. We're working too much. We feel like we should be spending more time with the family. We spend more time with the family. We're, you know, thinking yeah. we should be working. So we're constantly caught between that. But then you notice one of the things that's not even there is – the time for these friends. Yeah. In our kind of method of operation, that's not even
1: on our radar screen. Right. It, it seems like there's a dichotomy there where not only do we not have but two feelings, but we only also only have two places we need to be or focus on, the family or the work. If we could get somewhere in that continuum, I mean, would that be helpful?
0: Well, yeah, and to be able to be present in that way. So a couple of things that that I find interesting that I, I think would be worth discussing is one thing you and I's relationship on paper— <laughs> Doesn't fucking work at no, all. No, there's no overlap. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Do you get flack for spending time with me? Oh man, be it, honest. Like, I, it ain't gonna hurt I don't it, have feelings, but I would imagine
1: that you hear with a high level of frequency. Why are you hanging out that, with that guy? That's the key word. Why? I mean, they just people look at me like, why? It's like, what do you mean? You know, it's Jeff. He's a He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. And then they just, they're kind of shaking their head. <laughs> and as we know, you don't like people that sort of like you. This lukewarm stuff doesn't work. People are going to love you <laughs> or despise you.
0: Well, I actually say that in my informed consent when I meet with a new uh, oh, okay. patient. That there's a high probability that at the end of this hour you're gonna be like, dude, I can't fucking handle you. Yeah. Cause if I'm a lot of things, but I'm not vanilla. Right. If right. you go on my Google reviews, dude
1: <laughs> You got 10 and eighty ones. There so is no three. Not a single
0: three on there. Um okay. so yeah. So that's and, and we'll kind of explore that a little bit. Um the differences of our relationship. And the reason I think that's important, for the reasons that we've also discussed, but also we find ourselves just socially in a time of such fucking hyperpolarity. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a form of tribalism that really is just, if you're in my tribe, you're for me. If you're not, and this is an important concept, I have contempt for you. And one of the things that we find in marriage therapy is that when there's contempt, when one partner or the other thinks that they are superior to the other, yeah. it's fucking done. Right. The question is not, will you get divorced? It's just, when will you get divorced? Yeah. And when one person puts themselves in the position of, superiority over the other, then they're justified in anything that they do. It then shifts us from the goal in a marriage or any healthy relationship is what we call an infinite game. And the rules of an infinite game are maximize the number of winners and ensure
1: continuous game play. Infinite games are games of relationships. Okay, so like in a marriage, the idea is, is everybody wins and you keep it going. And that's the yeah. goal, Yeah, okay. is that if we're having conflict, we want to
0: find a solution that's best for both of us so that the game continues. Yeah. But when contempt enters in, then we shift over to a different kind of game, which we're more familiar with, which is what we call a finite game. Mm-hmm. And a finite game is, has two basic rules. One is the game is designed to end, much like an athletic event, right? The kinds of things that we think about. They don't play, you know, the goal of an athletic event (laughs) isn't continuous play so that the game goes on. The game ends, and it's what we call zero-sum, one winner, one loser. And so when contempt enters into a relationship, I'm superior to you, then necessarily in the subconscious of the relationship, we shift over into now playing a finite game, and it's about one winner, one loser, game over. And so we're starting to see that much more in our social interactions. Rather than an engagement in an infinite game, let's find ways to maximize the number of winners in continuous gameplay. We can't solve a problem to save our lives. If you come to me with a solution in this environment that we find ourselves now, it's about invalidating your solution. It's not about the merits of that solution or adding to it or continuing the discussion. And so when you think about that and then you think about the crisis
1: that men are already in, how the fuck do we make friends? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're more… Caught up in either winning, like you said, or finding something that we disagree on, because that's that's just the culture around us,
0: right? And it and it really is. I often hear because these are the crowds that I you know travel in discussions about tribalism, and typically tribalism has at least in the conversations that that I've heard peripherally has more of a negative connotation. And the the reality is we all are members of tribes. The critical question is, what kind of tribe? There's a sociologist by the name of David Logan, uh, and he's done a lot of work in this area. And he he has identified five kinds of tribes. The lowest level one tribe, its moniker is Life Sucks. (laughs) And these are your mass killers. These are your people that think, life sucks and should be destroyed and your school shootings, those kinds of things are that level one. And when you think about that, it's like, man, we're fucked. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, you hear about a school shooting. It's just like, it doesn't really strike you with the horror that it once did. The level two tribe is my life sucks, which is better for us because they're not going around killing other people. Uh, but they are people that just live in a state of helplessness and depression, my life sucks, right? Where the majority of us hover is the level three tribe, which is I'm great and you're not. And so our interactions are really based on that finite game concept, zero sum, I'm better than you. And so then our interactions will be this little pissing match of who's better than the other. Level four tribe is my life is great, which is people that are experiencing a great quality of life, which is wonderful, except society is a system, and it is a system that stays in balance. And so that's why the most critical tribe is the level five tribe, which is life is great. And they are people that orient to reality with a high quality of life, but they want that high quality of life to be contagious. Yeah. They want to interact with other tribes, and they want to pull as much as they can the system up to level five, and that's ultimately where we would want to function.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like, though, the majority of us are hanging out in the level three. That's right? where we live, right. And that goes back you know, to
0: our, to our crisis as men. is our, our orientation to reality is success, power, achievement. Yeah. I mean we're constantly we're on that achievement treadmill and it's like that fucker is speeding up all the time and it's like you it can't you know as men it's like we can't ever just say eh I'm good yeah right, right. I don't need a bigger thisy that I don't right. need a fucking yeah. promotion I don't I'm cool yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't define myself by the number of hours that I work in a week <laughs> or you know or yeah. the lack of sleep that I get, or it's like, nope, we don't ever get to like, no, oh, fellas, I'm, I'm cool,
1: man. Yeah. I don't, I don't need shit. I'm just going to keep yeah. doing what I'm doing. Well, what? <laughs> well, that whole uh, success, power, achievement orientation, it seemed like that would cause you to stay in level three. I mean, it seemed like that's a, a core of it. Right. And it is, and we're
0: much like in our discussion about love and the monetization of love, right? Where we've kind of become habituated to that expectation that i got to go buy the fucking perfect yeah. gift and then you know she's going to say oh that's nice honey and i'm like <laughs> you know it's almost that it's it's exactly that same thing so we've kind of habituated to that and then our identity of men as men really becomes just a part of that concept i am what i achieve positively or negatively and then we're we're disconnected and that disconnection You tell me if you think this is interesting, but I I think it's profoundly important. One of the things that has been discovered that as war has become less brutal, so the brutality of war has gone down, there's a negative correlation to the occurrence of post-traumatic stress. So one would think it would be more intuitive to think that, you know, since we're not cutting each other's arms off with swords anymore – there's a greater separation from the brutality yeah. that the post traumatic stress would go down now mm-hmm. war is war i'm not that's right. not i'm not like isn't that a great no war is awful but the question then becomes okay intuitively i would think there would be a positive correlation there but there's a negative correlation
1: so the more brutality you think you'd have the more post
0: traumatic stress right okay but i we just don't see cut that cut a guy's arm <laughs> off like how do i get that out of my head yeah yeah And so what the theory is, soldiers share a deep, deep level of connection. Like the word that they use, and rightly so, is brotherhood. And so they have this – it's fascinating because – I wish I could remember the guy's name, um, but he he was a uh, special forces officer – And they've asked this question of of guys that have done incredibly heroic things many times, and they always have the same answer. The question being, how, how were you able to do such incredible things? And the answer is always, because the guy next to me would do it for me. And so this deep connection compels them to do these great things. And so then the theory suggests that when they come home from war and they lose that connection, they don't have that what we call secure base. Right, right. All of a sudden that post-traumatic stress just starts to to bubble to the surface because they went from a place of profound connection that enabled them to endure an incredibly high level of stress into a place of
1: disconnection. Yeah, yeah. To where they become completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And they're still dealing with the horrors that they saw and experienced, but they don't have any connection. To work through it. Precisely. Yeah. And the, the theory is that the connection
0: actually takes the horrors away. The bond that they share, it just puts them in such a, a place of security. Mm-hmm. And, and that, again, is part of the problem is that this deep level of connection for us as men, it's so foreign to the discussion. You know, we're not even talking about it yet to a point that we can start to get comfortable right. with it. It's right. just like, blah, blah, dude what did you watch the game last night right right whatever version of that so when you think about the fact that soldiers share this deep connection that allow them to endure such a profound level of stress as war and then it's when they lose that connection that that profound stress starts to affect them. You can see how that relates to the crises that we as men are going through, right? Oh yeah. Is that one, our first crisis is that orientation to reality that we always have to be achieving something, right? So there's our external stress. Yeah. We're uncomfortable feeling vulnerable emotions, being needy, you know, And that's one of the things, when you look at a relationship between soldiers, it's like it is overwhelmingly explicit, we need each other.
1: Yeah, that's just part of your connection there.
0: Right. And then that adequate physical and emotional support from other men. So if we lack that, you can start to see why we are so good at addiction, why we are really, really good at getting into things that just numb us out. Yeah. That seemingly fill that void that can't be filled. And that's yeah. what that's when it starts to take on these compulsive natures. I can't drink enough, I can't gamble enough, I can't whatever it is, it's it's, you know, it's trying to fill a hole a bucket that's got a hole in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and what we were lacking all along was the connection with someone else that would more or less experience that with us and and give us meaning for going through it. Yeah, exactly.
0: So the first step is the understanding and recognition of that. That, fuck, that's true, man. And that's hard. You know, it's really, really hard for us to admit that I need. Mm -hmm. And then to have a conversation with another man about the need that I have, Mm -hmm. right? Like, man, I'm fucking life is kicking my ass today. Like, I just, I don't know if I've got what it takes. Yeah. And then for another man, suck it up, man. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, <laughs> man. What do you mean? Come on. You, you know, yeah. that's kind of our first inclination. Cause I'm freaked out by your vulnerability. Like, Ooh. <laughs> dude, <laughs> right. not that kind of you know relationship. The, you know the code here. Now. <laughs> right. So I give you some kind of fucking pep talk or something that does absolutely no mm. good so that you'll put your vulnerable feelings away so that i don't feel vulnerable. and so the first step is just a true recognition of that that that's just the truth. Yeah. i mean as men we need each other. yeah. and that's you know and that's something that i can say about you and i's relationship i need my relationship with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: i'm fond of saying that i'm a fire hose wide open. <laughs> And sometimes I put out fires and sometimes I spray innocent women and children. (laughs) And it's like, I need you to point me in the right fucking direction. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm probably going to do more harm than
1: good. Yeah, yeah. I get that. (laughs) I did want to say it looks like a key element is you could be vulnerable, but it's on the next guy, the guy you're talking to, to accept that and then offer some vulnerability as well.
0: And stay in that. I mean, yeah. and I wish I, I wish I had like a great answer about, well, here's the five steps that you need yeah. to do. And I could probably make them up, but I'm totally making them up. <laughs> Vulnerability for men is like if we have been in a dark closet our entire life. And when somebody says a positive emotion to us, it's like somebody opening the door and turning the light on. Conceptually, that's good, right? But it's like, dude, what the fuck? Turn the gun. What are you doing, man? Right. So there's just an adjustment period that's uncomfortable. I don't have a good answer for that, except if you will be the assertive one, if you'll be the one that takes the first step with the confidence that I know you need this too. Mm -hmm. That assertiveness There is a, it's what we call self-efficacy. We'll talk about that some other time, but there is a validation of self when I know this and then I assertively act on it. There is a sense of confidence and security that comes from that, but it is just uncomfortable. It's like, if you're out of shape physically, I can't make getting into shape comfortable. (laughs) Right, right. Now, once you're there, it's a hell of a lot easier to maintain it than it was to get there. But in the beginning, there is no shortcut for that discomfort and mm-hmm. that's the exact place that we as men need to be. We weren't socialized to spend time in that space. So why do you think our relationship
1: works? Cuz it it absolutely <laughs> should not. Do you ever think about this? Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> I think it started with what you mentioned, the vulnerability. You know, we were okay sharing what we thought was messed up in our lives. And, and I do want to make it clear that this is it's not venting or ranting, although you're definitely comfortable there. I, I'm very comfortable there. <laughs> but, yeah. but we're not advocating for guys to get together and just vent and rant. Or self any kind of self-pity. It's yeah.
0: certainly not, oh, poor, it's, yeah, That yeah. that is an important distinction. It is certainly not that.
1: Yeah. And and I think when we first started talking regularly eight, nine years ago, it was like, yeah, there's some there's some mess going around in life, and we're going to admit that, but we're not going to live in it. And whatever I would share with you, you might offer something good, but at least you would acknowledge, yeah, that that is messy, you know? there, I, You know, the tipping point for me, I,
0: I have told this <laughs> story before, and I'll tell it again because it, this was the game changer. So I was just coming out of my divorce, and I was a psycho person.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I
0: mean, if there was a shitty, stupid choice to make, I made it. <laughs> That's right. And I remember I mean, I vividly remember this. You and I, we were sitting and we were
1: having coffee and you told this story about a Corvette that you yeah. had. And and this was in the midst of you telling me everything is all right. And I'm knowing it's not true. That
0: That is an important distinction. Yeah. That's right. Because I was trying to buy my own bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's usually pretty convincing. But <laughs> I can convince myself of pretty much anything. Yeah. And so you start telling me about this Corvette and I'm like, what the fuck, has he not been listening to me? Like, well, I don't give a shit about your Corvette. And. Do you, it'd probably be better um, if you told the story, like if you yeah. can
1: recreate it the way that you told me. <laughs> yeah, well, so the Corvette looked really nice uh, from a distance. I, I like polishing that car, making it look good. But the thing about it was I knew not to take that out of the neighborhood. <laughs> I never drove it any further than I was willing to walk back. <laughs> and uh, and then, then there was a pause, and you're like, what the heck? And I'm like, Jeff, you're that Corvette. <laughs> And and that like, which to show how delusional
0: I was at the time, I got it maybe two days later. I think I was sitting in session. I was like, well, that motherfucker, I don't think, what do you mean I'm that Corvette? And it's like that moment was, holy shit, here's a guy that is willing to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. And that for me Solidified you and I's relationship that this, you know, I'm a quote guy, and one of my other favorite quotes is the eye cannot see itself. And we all need mirrors to reflect back who we really are. It was that moment that it was like, that is the kind of vulnerability that I need. I need the kind of vulnerability to where. You're going to tell me exactly what I need to hear, exactly when I need to hear it, and you accepting the consequences of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I'm an ass, right? I'm <laughs> most of the time think that I'm right. And that was, that for me was such a critical moment in you and I's relationship that all of a sudden, Nothing else mattered. Our beliefs oh, right, right. are mostly different. You're Christian in your belief system. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm an atheist, and we have
1: never gotten sideways on that issue. Is that a fair? Right, right. That's fair. And then even with the cussing and drinking, <laughs> right? I'm not good at cussing, and I don't drink. But that doesn't that didn't interfere at all. And I think that's the power of that true
0: connection. Mm-hmm. Is when you have that kind of connection that he is here for me. Mm-hmm. It's no longer, you know, in the beginning we, we kind of asked the question, can oil and water mix? And it's like you don't fucking need to mix them. Right? There's a space where the surfaces connect. So we don't spend our time in our relationship trying to keep the oil and water mixed. It's, <laughs> it's we have found that space of connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the profound differences between the two of us literally
1: – go away. Yeah. Those aren't, those weren't the key parts, you know, and, and the value of the connection was what was far more important. And that, that connection just allowed us to continue being and growing as, as who we were, even if it was different.
0: And I, and I think one of the things that one factor that I think we would have to be honest about is the time element, because you endured Dude, if I would have been you, I'd have broke up with me way before that. I'd have been like, dude, go get your shit together and then call me when you're
1: not just a delusional idiot. My wife thought I was having a, a relationship with the lady at the coffee shop. <laughs> because that been would more- have made more sense. Like. I was spending more time with her when you wouldn't show up or you'd be 45 minutes late for an hour meeting. Dude, I don't think we need to go there. That's oh, a different sorry. podcast. Yeah. But uh, the important thing is
0: I kind of got my shit together <laughs> or at least some awareness. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I and so if I if I were going to, you know, make a suggestion to you, uh, if you're listening to this, one I'd at the risk of being narcissistic, I would encourage you to listen to it a couple of times because I think there's some critical understanding that has to precede any action. And it, everything in this regard is going to be uncomfortable. And I wish I could take that away. I wish I could, you know, I wish there were something that I could say that would, would make that untrue. But the only thing that I can do is be honest with you about that is Mm -hmm. that, It is uncomfortable until it's not. Mm -hmm. And when it's no longer uncomfortable, it's infinitely beyond comfortable. It's a a space of assurance, a space of confidence. I don't, you know, insert big enough word here (laughs) that makes the risk completely worth it. Absolutely. And then you just got to start dating. I mean, you got to find the guys that, You have some connection with and start to intentionally create more connection. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to work all the time. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is much like dating. You're going to ask somebody out and she's going to be like, ooh, gross, get away from me. Uh, (laughs) And it, and it very much feels that way again until it doesn't. Uh, And that's a real healthy part of the process as well. Mm -hmm. And the intentionality, I think, is the most critical component Mm -hmm. because the intentionality is what, it's the weeding out, well, it's not going to work with this guy. But the intentionality is when it then does start to work,
1: mm-hmm. it takes care of itself. Yeah, and some consistency will be important. And it seems like we have to remember to enter into it with the vulnerability and the notion that the other person is important. <laughs> we can't think no longer we're at the center. And so if we can um, kind of mesh those two things into the whole process that would be very helpful.
0: Yeah. And it and you know what ebbs and I mean there's just lots of things. It's more organic. Yeah. It's like a plant. I mean, it's just it takes you know, when you grow a plant, the main thing you do is nothing. Yeah. Uh, You can't prune the fucking thing to you know, it's just so there there is that organic part of the the plant plays a part in it. The other person plays a part in it. Mm -hmm. And and it's just it's finding that space. And from my perspective given the cultural climate that we find ourselves in where it is a, a more form of tribalism that you're either in my tribe or you're against me. This is so critical. It's so critical that for men as individuals that we create this kind of connection, but then that we also, when we find that security in this connection, then we're able to aspire to create level five tribes. Yeah, this is
1: the catalyst for moving out of three.
0: And and genuinely in real but small, meaningful sorts of ways, make this world that we find ourselves in a much better place.
1: Well, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate all this, uh, Shaman Jeff. <laughs> Uh, it so, is official,
0: right? I, I, oh, uh, that's officially a shaman. No, yeah, okay. I don't so. want to. I don't want to shortcut the system. I mean, if there's some kind of online certification course, um, then I'll take it. No, I looked up in Wikipedia, and your picture was in there. <laughs> oh, damn that that makes me feel better than it probably should. All right, uh, man-made again. The first step in finding your balls is give us them five stars and subscribe. That's the first step. So take that step and we'll talk to you next time.